Jeremiah chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, all ye clans of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made mine inheritance detestable. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who dealt in the law did not know me and the leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coasts of Kittim and look. Send to Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. Be appalled by this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The Gospel reading is from Luke. Chapter 14, reading verse 1 and then 7 to 14. Jesus at a Pharisee's house. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take a place of honour for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, 
You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Thanks be to God. Amen. Don't know if you ever watched um, the program Come Dine With Me. Um, I always found it slightly odd that people would willingly go around to somebody's house with a TV camera crew and then spend the whole of the taxi ride home going, well, I didn't like the souffle very much. You know, I mean, it's sort of not exactly the height of good manners in any way, shape or form. Um, there was another programme a few years back called From Ladette to Lady, where a whole load of um, uh, rather naughty young women were, were sent off to a, a proper girls' finishing school, 1950s style. And, uh, and basically, they were try- trying to make them uh, be a bit more classy and a bit more sophisticated and so on. Um, and it was just an absolute disaster watching the whole process happen how much our behaviours, how much the way we approach things like the dinner table indicates so much about us and our social status and so on. Your table manners, are you somebody who has good table manners? Don't speak with your mouth full. Don't leave any food behind. There are still starving children in the world, you know. Don't put your elbows on the table... Uh, pass the port to the left, please. And uh, ladies, you can now leave so that the gentlemen can have their cigars. We've all heard all of those things at various times. But the social class, the social etiquette at the time of Jesus, a dinner party had a different kind of etiquette to the one that we have nowadays. Pliny the Younger describes the feast uh, where it's where you sat that was the all-important thing. Not only in terms of being seen to have a certain elevated status, but also that you would be given different food if you sat in a certain place. It wouldn't be the vil milanese for everybody. Rather, at the top table, you would get the finest foods, especially if you were a local dignitary who needed buttering up for a business deal. But the others invited to the party might just be random members of the local community, not worth impressing. So they could always be fobbed off with the tripe surprise uh, somewhere else a little bit later on down down the queue. The local dignitary, of course, the finest steak and the souffle to follow. The whole purpose of how you ate indicated where you were in society. It was a good way of enforcing a lack of social mobility. You need to know your place, not just outside, but also when it comes to the dining table as well. If Jesus were invited to your dinner party, where would you place him? Where would he go to sit? I think I can speak without contradiction. The finest film of the past 30 years is, without a shadow of doubt, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Uh, it's certainly one of the most deeply theological films. And uh, in, the, in the film, Indiana Jones finally gets to the room where there's a whole raft of potential holy grails. And he's faced with the conundrum, what type of cup is the cup of Christ? Is it an ornate gold one fit for the king of kings? Or is it a wooden one fit for the son of a carpenter?
Where would you place Jesus at your dining table? Would he go on the top level, befitting the king of kings? Or would he have gone down the table somewhat? The Proverbs reading that we started our service with today was the general instruction for how to be a good guest. Go and sit at the lower places first in the hope that you might get raised up rather than go and sit at the top table and only to be humiliated in public. Better to start low and go up than the other way round. And Jesus is merely in this parable, which isn't really a parable, it's more a a, a set instruction. He's merely reiterating that point in Proverbs itself the rules on how to be a guest. But then he offers those instructions for us about how to be a decent host. Don't just invite people in the hope that you get an invite back. Jesus here is overthrowing all of the social conventions. He's saying that actually a dining table shouldn't be a place of imposing authority and social status. It should be a place of welcome. The dining table is not a place of class, of division, but rather the dining table is a place of celebration and inclusion. The Lord's table is open to all and there are no restrictions from it. Where would Jesus sit at the dining table? Henry Nouwen uh, talks regularly throughout his, his books about the idea of a downward mobility, that that Christ offers an entirely different model of what it is to be human. How often do we have it whereby people think, I must better myself, I must raise myself up economically, and so on. But now one talks instead of the Christ who comes, who deliberately comes to humble himself. That the innate part of being Christ is of humility itself and that to be truly human we must start to learn something of that humility going to Philippians to um, chapter 2 there is what the scholars think is an insert into chapter 2 between verses 6 and 11 and we sang part of that in, in our hymn at the name of Jesus about that though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. That insert, the scholars think, is actually one of the very earliest parts of the New Testament. It was effectively one of the very first hymns that the Christian church was singing. And Paul is merely adding that in because he suddenly, while he's writing his letter, he remembers that very early hymn and puts it in. But that the church from its inception was talking about the humility of Christ, of this downward mobility, emptying himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So often in life, we try to think that being happy is about elevating ourselves rather than about deliberately lowering ourselves. 
The whole concept of the Christian faith is not about how to make ourselves socially acceptable, but rather it is about how we can be humble, how we can close the distance with those who so often we might judge or condemn. So when we find that there are people who are kept at a distance, those who are deliberately forced down to the lower parts of the table, we need to find ways of redressing that. When we cast people out for being a benefit claimant, cast them out to use the food bank. When we cast them out to be the refugee, we need to find ways of how we can welcome and include them. Years back before I came into the ministry, I was running the Simon Community, which is a a charity working with rough sleepers in central London. And one of the things I probably learned more from that experience was those nights where I'd go out with the outreach teams and we'd sit with the people just as they were getting ready to bed down to check how they were doing. And you're sitting there amongst all of the, the piss and everything else. And you see all the people walking by, some of them hurling abuse at these people for being poor. And you learn more about our society when you're down there than you ever do walking on by without a care in the world. Those who are invisible, lying in the puddles of our shop doorways with that constant fear of attack and the lack of solidarity from so many others. We live in a world, we live in a society where too often food has become used as a deliberate weapon. The deliberate starving of people, the restrictions of them. No, you cannot be allowed to join our table. Over one million people are using food banks and particularly over the summer holidays for a lot of children it has been an incredibly tough time because of the fact that they haven't got the free school meals to supplement their diets. Thank God literally for a lot of them that schools are starting up again this week. Jesus is saying here that the social conventions need to be overturned. With God, social status doesn't matter. All are welcome and all will receive the same. The best food is for all. It's steaks all round and the Trump surprise can go somewhere else. No one is to be excluded. And when we invite, we need to invite all. The church cannot be a cosy club for those who are already saved. Instead, it needs to be a place of genuine, radical hospitality for all. Because it is likely that when we open up our doors, that we really do welcome angels into our midst and that we might discover that God is sneaking in with the outcast whom we would have excluded otherwise. What are the table manners that we need to learn? What are the table manners that God would exhibit? And how can we live them out? I don't think that at the heart of God's central message of hospitality, there are too many rules about the port or the cigars or anything else. 
But I think there are some rules there about how we genuinely make this a table for all and how we ourselves live out our lives so that there aren't people who are excluded, that there aren't people who are going hungry, that food is not used as a weapon for government policy or anything else. But also, how can we, as individuals, ensure that there is more food justice in our world? How do we, as a church, live that out? The Canterbury Food Bank um, is uh, requesting certain items, and I will be uh, putting in the newsletter for next week some of those items, because in a few weeks' time we have our Harvest Festival, and I think some of our provisions should be going to those of our local community who are struggling at this time. But it's things like whole milk, smashed instant potato, washing powder and household cleaning items, pasta sauce, toilet rolls, baked beans and soup, basic things, but these are things that actually could save some of the lives of some of the people locally in our community. But also we as a church are a fair trade church and we can probably expand that more of how we can use our resources here to support justice for those who are seeking to grow their own lives in other parts of our world. What are the table manners that God would have us do? How can we, as a church and as individuals, be of radical hospitality, genuinely open to all? May God help us to have that compassion we need to offer more to those in need this day and forevermore. Amen.